It's called Ghost Adventures. Oh, yeah. So I've been watching the show called Ghost Adventures. It came out in like 2008, but they went to the uh, Cecil Hotel where that girl, uh, Lisa Lamb, died. The one that was like in the, ho- in the elevator and like she was acting really strange. I don't know if you remember that whole thing. It was like 2013. And she like, uh, there was surveillance footage of her like talking to someone outside the elevator, but there was nobody there. And she did like all these weird hand movements. And anyway, they had found her body in the water tank on the roof and they couldn't figure out how she had gotten in there and closed it behind her. Um, But she obviously died. So they were able to um, convince the hotel to let them go and investigate, I guess like during COVID because there weren't as many guests and stuff. And uh, it's on Discovery Plus, and it was really fucking creepy. Like, re- it was a really cool episode. Uh, so we've been, like, binging, like, a bunch of episodes by them. <laughs> we just, like, watch this episode where this guy is, like, an occultist, and he bought this, like, apparently, like, demonic household. And, like, it's just the weirdest shit, man. I'm like, like, honestly, it's only white people that do this stuff. <laughs> like, like, like that's just like, they're like, he's like, I, I, uh, I like to speak to demons, you know? And it's just like, what the fuck is going on here, man? Like, you fucking weirdo. He, like, lives in California, but he's, like, pale as shit. He has, like, no fucking windows open in his house. And he's just, like, he does, like, a seance. And he's all, like, he's like, mm, yes, I can sense the spirits. And I'm just, like, I've been fucking laughing at this guy. Like, as creepy as this shit is, you know? And, like, he's got, like, all these fucking weird, like, paintings of him as the devil and stuff. And they're just, like, so, like, are you, like, into demons? And he's just, like, you know, I, I welcome anything across the border. <laughs> I'm just, like, okay. Wow. Sounds like he's like horny but paranormal. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. He he's a roommate too and she's like they're like are you comfortable with him like summoning demons in here? She's like, "Yeah, I'm totally comfortable with it. It's what he does." And then she's like, "So this thing's been laying on my chest at night and uh it doesn't allow me to breathe or wake up." <laughs> and it's just like, uh, okay. "Oh, the incubus." Yes. It's just like sleep paralysis. It's like what the fuck like is wrong with you people? Uh if any of our listeners out there either are or are aware of uh, black ghost hunters please let us know or any ghost hunters there, yeah there's there's like three brothers that are like famous for ghost hunting but like uh, this isn't even the ghost hunting team this is just the dude's house they went to like i'm just like are there any like like people of color that are also occultists because i haven't met them ever um maybe like witches and pagans but i don't i don't know but uh hey we're, we're putting it out there yeah into, i'm curious the world. i really want to know Get back to us. Let us know about that. Um, so I guess I was wrong last week when I said we're not going to have a housekeeping. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, you did say that. You're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. And then here we are. Yes, at the very top of the episode, I said we're probably not going to ha- have a housekeeping about it. So so we should talk about it. Hey, we got a we got a five-star review from, uh, from Crowley. Hey, Crowley, like the demon from Supernatural or the guy that you knew? Uh, like both. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, if you want to keep the Supernatural theme, well, this will be a spooky, spooky podcast. We have a five-star review. Liberal communist trash. But I can't stop listening. Now, I may or may not only like this show because I call Booch, a.k.a. the pseudo-intellectual soy. I think he meant soy boy, but he forgot, just said pseudo-intellectual <laughs> soy. A friend or Booch's velvet chocolate voice in the ears. Now, I may not agree with everything they say. However, they make points and make me think in a healthy dialogue. Hmm. Taking on the social and political implications of movie shows and also pointing out things I may have never thought or overlooked. Hope these boys keep this going. I know I'll be listening. So, yeah, that's cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Crowley, for uh, 
your 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 kind words, your five star review. Honestly, you could have said some very terrible stuff and kept it a five star review, and I would have been <laughs> for it. I really appreciate it. But that being said, theme song, come on in and give Crowley some more of that liberal communist trash. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, no, no, no. She's not like dying in a second, but like she's, you know, she's a, she's, she's going to die at some point. That's why I'm fostering her. And it's just, Aren't just, we all? Yeah, yeah. But she's like act, actively, I guess, dying could be the words you would say. So dying at a more accelerated pace <laughs> yes. than, let's say, your average cat. Yes, but she's so damn cute and sweet, and I love holding her. And hey, that's exactly what she needs. We should all be so lucky as to. Um, be held in the, the sweet embrace in, in the bosom of, of Ty. It's quite the bosom. Yes, yes it is. Um, oh, we didn't introduce the show, so here we go. Welcome to Housekeeping, presented by the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we take your favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I am your co-host, Mike Booch, a.k.a. the pseudo-intellectual soy, and <laughs> I'm always happy to be joined by my co-host, Ty. Hey. All right, then. Uh, remember, if uh, if you want to have your name mentioned in the... Uh, <laughs> he actually disguised his name, but I knew who it was, so oh, imagine. Shit. He's like, dude, G- come on. It's G-T-C-R-O-W-13-Y. Okay, so maybe he didn't disguise it that well. He put initials and everything in there. It's just it's probably just what, to him, what ix XI is to me. But uh, but yeah, if you want to be mentioned in in an episode, please take yourself over to the... Apple Podcast uh, app or App Store, wherever you happen to listen to your podcast, and uh, leave a five star review, and uh, that that would be fantastic. That is that is uh, the 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 most and the least you could do at the same time because all it takes is a couple minutes of your time. That's no right. no pennies out of your pocket. That's right. Order yourself an app and leave us a review. Yes, uh, loaded potato skins, buffalo wings. These are all vegan versions, of course. Um, what are some other good apps? Mozzarella oh, sticks, um, spinach artichoke dip. Those are all those are all solid ones. They are. But yeah, so so I guess I was wrong. We are we are going to be having a housekeeping episode. Oh really? And, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I prepare for something different. How about we get the serious stuff out of the way first? I, yeah, I yeah. Then get we get it out of the fun. way. That's fair. Yeah. So what do you got first? Uh, all right, so. This was kind of an interesting situation uh, with GameStop. So uh, I, I don't know a lot about hedge funds and and uh, Wall Street, but I from He's what a simple I, man, folks. From, from what I do understand was that um, some hedge fund dudes were going to, I guess, trade stock of GameStop uh, at like a also known as GameStop. GameStop, <laughs> yes, at like a, a lower amount than they should have. So they were going to make a ton of money off it. And fuck over GameStop. So there's this uh, Reddit page that has to do with stocks, and they decided they didn't want this to happen. So they came together and they actually bought like GameStop stock, and it soared. And I think it was actually like the the highest stock for the whole day when they did it, uh, and totally fucked over like all these uh, rich douchebags and lost them a shit ton of money. 
Um, so that was kind of amazing. That was actually uh, really cool that they did that. Um, so there's an article here from CNBC. It says Melvin Capital hedge fund targeted by Reddit board closes out of GameStop short position. Melvin Capital closed out its short position in GameStop on Tuesday afternoon after taking a huge loss, the hedge fund uh, manager told CNBC's Andrew Ross Sorkin. GameStop hedge fund's most hated stock was targeted by an army of retail investors with marshaled forces against short sellers in online chat rooms and the Reddit forum Wall Street Bets. With more than 2 million subscribers, rookie investors encourage each other to pile into GameStop shares and call options, creating, a massive, uh, creating massive short squeezes in the stock. CNBC cannot confirm the amount of losses Mellon Capital took on the short position. Citadel and Point72 have infused close to $3 billion into Gabe Plotkin's hedge fund to shore up its finances. Um, GameStop shares have more than doubled this week alone to nearly $150 a piece, driving its January gains to 685%. The stock was worth just $6 four months ago. So, uh, wow. Yeah. That is insane. So not not necessarily that the people on this Reddit are like heroes or anything, but I think it just goes to show that if people come together, you can you can do anything, even even screw over some rich douchebags. So uh, this this hedge fund really got fucked over for trying to do some shady stuff. Um, you know, again, I don't know a lot about stocks. You know, I did a little bit of research to understand it better. Um, but yeah, so they were gonna like try and short sell it. I think it's called, and that's you know where they they sell it at like a. Or they buy it at a really low rate and sell it high. It, it was something weird. Uh, it's definitely you shady. You want to buy low and sell high. Yeah, but they did it like in a really quick amount of time. That would have been really, really bad, for, I think, for GameStop stocks. So uh, this really screwed up their plans and uh, raised GameStop stock by a shit ton compared to where they had been just a few months ago. So uh, pretty amazing that a bunch of Redditors were able to do this. As somebody who has narrated a Wall Street podcast for, for a couple years as a voiceover artist, I can tell you that I really don't know anything about stocks either. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I, I, I literally uh, just, just am an actor who reads a script convincingly, and that is it. Uh, but this, this story works on a few levels for me. The first level is... Wow, that you're right. That's amazing. Like that redditors, you know, a few people, a community who just knows where to put their dollars at the right place, the right time can really affect a lot of change. Like I think that's awesome. Um and I think it's awesome that a bunch of fucking, you know, people who were planning on on lining their own pockets at the expense of uh, an, a failing fucking company. Yep. Uh, I'm glad that they that they got fucked as well. However, there is a part of me who has returned a game to GameStop and <laughs> and has gotten so little back, especially with store credit, that, you know what? I was kind of like, all right, they're going to do that. Fuck them. But then as the, as the article went on, I was like, all right, that's fine. That's I, fine. I did hear people compare what, what this headphone was going to do to what GameStop did when they buy and sell your games. So <laughs> They're like, oh, this is a stock you bought at how much? Best <laughs> we can do is $5. <laughs> it's like I bought it yesterday at $65. They're like... Yeah, <laughs> we got we got to sell it for forty <laughs> though, so uh, we got to make money somewhere. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of GameStop either, but it, I just think it the bigger message of it just shows you know uh, what you can do when when you when you come together. That's beautiful. That is, that is, that is great. Um, what else? What else is on the on the docket today? All right, I also have uh, this article from Forbes. Biden directs Justice Department to end contracts with private prisons. Hmm. 
Uh, so let's see. Uh, reviving an Obama-era push to phase out the use of private prisons, President Biden on Tuesday signed an executive order directing the Department of Justice not to renew its contract with privately operated criminal detention facilities as part of a slew of actions geared toward racial equality. Uh, the executive order directs the attorney general to create no new contracts for private prisons, but only applies to the Department of Justice facilities. Uh, this means that the order will impact the 12 private prison facilities housing roughly 14,000 inmates that are currently contracted by the DOJ, but not Holy private shit. detention centers 14, contracted by states or by other government agencies, such as the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, and a total of 116,000 prisoners were held in private detention facilities in the U.S. in 2019. So those under the DOJ, uh, DOJ's domain make up a small portion. So, uh, unfortunately, like it's it, again, it says it's a very small portion. It's only about twelve prisons um, that are directly affected by this. About fourteen thousand. Yeah, but I'm surprised that twelve prisons hold uh, fourteen thousand inmates each. I was uh, I was actually blown away by that. Like, I guess I don't really know all the statistics that well in the first place. So, oh, it's, it's fourteen thousand between all twelve. Oh, between all four. Oh, okay, or twelve, whatever. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So um, again, it's a small amount, but it, basically, what they're saying in this article, I, I'm not obviously not going to read the whole thing, but they're going to tell you that it's a step towards, I guess, you know, uh, the right in the right direction to, for the whole country to eventually do this. Um, but a lot of states, um, you know, have private prison contracts, so it's going to, you know, come down to a state by state basis, things like that. Uh, but again, it, you know, even though it's only a small portion, only about fourteen thousand people, I think it's a great move. I think I was pretty surprised to hear he he did this. Um, you know, obviously, private prisons is a huge problem in this country. You know, our prison system. I think we've we've referred to it almost as like slave labor, right? In, in prisons and oh yeah, and, it's because and, it is it yeah is slave labor. Sla- slavery is still legal under the, in the Constitution because of prisons. That's the loophole. So yep. So this, this is definitely a, a big step in the right direction but there's still so much work to be done. Now, I want to follow that up with something because Biden has uh, has enacted a, a, a few executive orders at this point. Like he, he stopped construction of um, of the Keystone Pipeline. He uh, he apparently somehow made it easy. I'll put I'll put it in the show notes and sources. I'm paraphrasing, obviously made it easier for, for people to get their stimulus checks. Now, that doesn't mean he signed in these stimulus checks and they're coming to us it means those who still haven't even gotten like their their other 600 he's making these yeah that fooled me at first i was like oh cool and then i'm like oh wait what are what's some other quote-unquote progressive legislation that that's that's coming down the pipeline so that's another article i have is that democrats are, are preparing to do this um Basically, Democrats have started to lay the groundwork to pass the next coronavirus relief package without Republican votes as GOP uh, GOP lawmakers criticize the cost of President Joe Biden's rescue plan. Um, House Majority Leader uh, Steny Hoyer, Democrat, added votes to the chamber schedule next week that will give us the option of using budget reconciliation to advance a COVID-19 relief package, he told lawmakers Tuesday night. The thorny process would allow Democrats to pass a pandemic aid bill by a simple majority vote in the Senate with no Republican support. Uh, Hoyer did not explicitly say Democrats will opt to use reconciliation as with the Biden administration holds talks with centrist GOP lawmakers and hopes will vote for a relief measure. Still, the move uh, sets up the process to suggest the party has doubts about Republicans providing the House uh, the votes to approve a rescue package. So, you know, that's cool that they're that they're considering um, just like, you know, doing it, <laughs> just how Republicans did so many things without Democrat approval. So, you know, hopefully that happens because, 
now now word is that you know this this uh, stimulus could come as late as April, which is um, you know kind of was really disappointing, especially when Joe Biden promised Georgia voters that if Democrats won, they would get a two thousand dollars stimulus. But you know they're they're making moves now, so hopefully that will expedite the process a little bit. So I have a, I'm going to go through a quick overview, and it'll be in the show notes and sources. There's actually a Federal Register site that has the PDFs of all of the executive orders that President Biden has signed thus far. Awesome. You know, just looking at them in title, I'm not going to go into them in detail. Uh, protecting the federal workforce, economic relief related to the COVID-19 pandemic, a sustainable public health supply chain, supporting the reopening and continuing operation of schools and early childhood education providers, so on and so forth. Um, you know, the specifics will be contained in the actual documents if you decide to look it up. But like I'm, I'm seeing conservatives get upset about certain things that Biden's doing. So. I, by contrast, it seems like he's doing great stuff, and and th- and that's like that's the weird part for me is like we are seeing this you know supposedly progressive uh, um, so actions that are being taken by Biden, but why now? Why why is this stuff? Why did he not say this on the campaign trail to win any of us over? Why? Yeah. Like. Why is this coming now? And I'm I'm just skeptical. You know, I'm going to be skeptical for a long time. And like I said last episode, and you agreed with me, if we're wrong, awesome. That would be great. You know, if if we are wrong and Biden for some reason has decided, all right, I'm going to win the presidency without left votes. Um, by being as centrist as possible and and definitely conservative. And then once I get in for some reason, I'm gonna completely change and and start and start putting through like, you know, really helpful legislation for for marginalized peoples. It just it just seems weird to me because he could have he could have won by a landslide if he did say that from the beginning. So I don't I don't know what's happening here. Yeah, I know we've been talking off mic a lot about it. And it's it's a, it's a little surprising. It's like, you know, what is the motivator here? Um, my concern, I think, is that he's giving us breadcrumbs so that he doesn't have to give us larger things. Uh, like like Medicare for all, um, or the fact that you know yeah, the, ca- the, new, the you cages know, are still are still active, right? Like the kids at the border, yep, the cages are. It's, he claimed he was going to get rid of that like day one, uh, but now he's opening up a committee to to look into it. You know what I mean? Um, he he promised Georgia voters two thousand dollars. You know, thus promising all of us two thousand dollars. Now it's going to be fourteen hundred because he's saying we actually already got six hundred dollars of that two thousand. Uh, he's also saying he's open to making changes to that. Maybe um, people who make a certain amount of money now, he's going to cut it even more so they get less. Uh, even if you know they are currently unemployed and they made eighty thousand dollars, they might get screwed over more. So you know, there's little things that are, that are still concerning to me that. Um, almost like the, uh, you know, look over here, but you know, really it's the other hand yeah. you should be watching. Yeah, distractions, kind of thing. a sli- sleight of hand, yep. you know, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. And, and I think so too. And I think those little things that you're talking about are actually fairly large things that, you know, they're just parading this other stuff out in front of us, you know, so like same thing they did with the inauguration. You know, I, I was, I had a weird feeling in my stomach because there were so many, like Latino women and 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 women of color uh, up on that stage during Biden's inauguration, and I was like, wow, like 
what are they going to do to these populations during this presidency that they need this that you know that they're going to be able to point back and be like like oh no biden's not he loves latina people jlo saying it his thing you know no biden loves queer people lady gaga saying it his thing no uh you know uh sotomayor was there and and there was you know there was a a, a woman in the armed forces who, who who's a person of color like biden loves all these people he wouldn't dare you know try to cut you know hypothetically Right. And by hypothetically, I mean, it's already happened in the past. It might happen in the future. Um, you know, uh, c- cover up the sexual assault and dismemberment of of, uh, of female um, uh, soldiers or um, or continue forced hysterectomies in, yeah. in concentration camps like like that's And from what I understand, those were put there as an executive order so they can be undone right away. Like it's all like it's all him any day he can. And I know people want to be. Well, you know, let's talk about being relieved about Trump being out a little bit because we I don't think we've really gone through that catharsis yet. But like, you know, it's it's we're recording this on January 27th. It's been six days since he took office. Right. Yeah. Or was it yep. seven, uh, six days? Something like that. Yeah. And so, like, some people might see, wow, that's a lot of stuff that's happened in seven days. But also, like, that's seven more days of, of people being in, in concentration camps like. What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, there's there's like other things too. Like, the, you know, I know people are, and this has been covered in other podcasts, news more than we're going to. But, you know, for example, Biden picked uh, Lloyd Austin, right? A former a retired general to run the Pentagon. And yeah, uh, the Raytheon connection. Right? Yeah. And he's yeah. he only retired in 2016. And I think uh, what's it, it has to be like eight years before you're supposed to be allowed to, um, you know, uh, being a position, this position, and yet, oh, I didn't even know that. Wow. Yeah, so they actually voted um, to break that rule and have him, you know, sworn in, and they did. Uh, and Bernie Sanders also voted for this guy. He also voted yes Jesus. for this guy. So, like, you That's know, concerning. That's very. Concerning. It's very concerning, and it's like, you know, why did Bernie vote for him? I don't know. Maybe he, you know, because he got this this position as you know the budget chair. That was, you know, he he's like, all right, I'll vote for this. And you know, politics is a game. Um, so this guy, you know, he, and he's black, right? So this guy's black and that's like the big headline, you know, it's, uh, the first time I think any, a black man has ever been in charge of the Pentagon and they're saying, you know, it's, it's groundbreaking yep. and barrier yeah. breaking, but just cause you're a black person or a person of color doesn't automatically make you like, you know, the right choice or necessarily a good person, right? Like you should actually choose a good person who is fit for the job and also happens could be a person of color you know it's like don't just make it white people but uh you know i think that's that's where like kind of the sleight of hand again it's like hey look it's a black guy but it's you know he's also like not a great guy and he's but they will still choose their hawkish you know uh chained to corporate uh person you know it'll just be the black version of that exactly person. and obviously this guy who has not been out of the military very long um you know he he has reasons that he would probably want to be involved in a war right so you know that's a little scary uh you know biden has has talked about possibly uh increasing troops in iraq because there was a uh, terrorist attack there um a few days ago about a week ago uh you already know. See, yeah you know and like and you know near tandon is all about that imperialism too yep. she's, she's definitely for it and she's on the cabinet you know this is um and this is like as somebody who knows what it's like to um to succumb to identity politics and i'm not trying to be one of those edgelords who says like identity politics isn't important i'm i'm you know because i've seen them and i hate them but i'm 
trying to be one of those people who's saying like you really can't be distracted by the fact that you know this is the most colorful and and gender diverse uh, cabinet when it's it's people who are looking to you know who who are still going to be enacting the same agenda that the United States has has always enacted. Yeah, we we have to hold them equally as accountable as you would like Trump and his picks, right? You know, just don't don't be distracted by that and don't don't think it's automatically better. Yeah, I mean, and that's you know that's what Obama's whole presidency was too. Yeah, know? that's yep. that's why I voted for him. He's the black guy. Yep, exactly. And I wasn't even like I wasn't even like that liberal then either. <laughs> I was, yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> why not? <laughs> we were kind of liberal, and it was like, all right, cool. This this black guy's gonna be president, and he's gonna he's gonna do change, hope, all that fun stuff. Yeah, like that all that all seemed fine to me. So, but yeah, so like, you know, again, just to wrap it up, I guess is, you know, Biden has done a few things that are, that are, seem to be pretty good. Seem uh, to be, yeah. And, you know, it, it's, there's definitely some positives there and hopefully that is the trend that continues, but don't be, uh, don't be shocked if he's doing things behind, you know, closed doors that you're not paying attention to that are, that are pretty vicious. So make sure you pay attention. Don't get distracted. Uh, read between the lines, some might even say. Some might say that. Uh, I I want to talk about Bernie real quick, and yeah. not not Bernie's uh, position, um, you know, working with the budget. I mean, uh, I mean the Bernie memes that are that are quote unquote giving people life all around the internet. What? Never. I haven't seen these. <laughs> well, if if uh, even though I know for a fact you're lying, if you're one of those people <laughs> who hasn't, just look up Bernie sitting meme or Bernie chair meme, and or Bernie mittens. People have. Yeah, Bernie Mittens. People have been photoshopping him in a bunch of stuff because of his appearance on on inauguration day. And you know, obviously at first it's cute. At, at another angle, it's kind of sad because it's yeah. like you know he should have been the guy up there. Um, although I I did tell you right, like um, like <laughs> forgetting that this other Bernie meme existed. I was like, then again, I don't see him being the president. Like I see his place like. You know, uh, on on the front lines with a beret and an eye patch, and you know, you know, with a rifle, like leading leading the the revolution, and then and then you sent me that like uh, sneak, sneak I was like, oh, like, I've got the image for you, which I, I had totally seen before, but I I'd forgotten about. Yeah, it. I was, yeah. Oh yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly. But yeah, so so th- th- there's that angle. There's the oh sad because because it could have been him. But that the angle that I'm that I'm approaching it from this week is. What makes this so so popular? What makes this stand out so much? Because it's a guy who's in the cold, dressed in clothing that you would be dressed in, in the cold. I'm surprised he didn't have yeah. a hat on. But yeah. like, uh, he really should have. It was kind of irresponsible for him. Not to. But um, <laughs> we need you, Bernie. Bernie. We need you. Protect yourself. Yeah, please. But I think it's because we see our politicians so polished and pretty looking and perfect looking, like Hollywood, probably. Yeah, which is you know like it is just as much of of a uh, of sh- of a show as Hollywood is. It's it's got the same amount of pageantry and makeup and and fashion and wardrobe and everything, and that when we see someone who just looks like a regular dude, it's that's the weird part to us. Yeah, and and that's so surreal to me. I don't know why that is. Oh, I you know I also think not not only is it weird, but it's um it's comforting. Like it's I think so many people saw. A guy sitting there in his mittens, right? Mittens that were actually made for him by a teacher, I think, from Vermont. Uh, and like people were just like so touched by it. 
because it, it just felt like normal, I guess, you know, like he was just, he, he felt like a real person, like a regular person like you and me. And I think that's kind of what captured people's hearts and made this meme so popular. And uh, they've been hilarious and really fun. But yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of sad that we're just so used to the, the sparkle and shine of these, these politicians that, you know, when you see someone who seems very real, um, it, it kind of stole the show, right? Like he, you know, people were talking more about the Bernie memes than they were Biden being sworn in, and that's uh, I think that says a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess people are more hungry for that than we think, you know, yeah. just to see a regular person represented and like, especially when people are still yeah. you know out of work and they're being evicted and they don't have you know a lot of money and they don't have food, and I think you know just seeing somebody who's just your your average Joe. Uh, average Joe Bernie, not well, Joe Biden. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's just it's just like wow, huh? Maybe that's what we really need. But uh, too fucking late, people. So thanks a lot. <laughs> yep, we'll, we'll see what happens. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to lay in this bed. Um, you know, and I, I was thinking about it. I was because it really is about showmanship, and I'm like, like Trump, for example, way too done up. Uh, Biden, not enough. And, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like he really should look a lot better for being who he is. And, you know, then there's just then there's just regular ass Bernie, just an average looking dude. Yeah, I, I still my favorite Bernie meme has, has probably got to be the bird when the bird landed on the podium while he was speaking. That was that was like pure hope and joy that, that moment. Right. Yep, it was like like the universe was telling you like this has got to be it. Like, <laughs> I know it's we're a, here, folks. I, I was watching a gif of that the other day where everyone just jumps up, starts cheering, and the bird's just looking at him, and he's just like laughing. And you're like, you're like, yes, you know, it's like like the the pure hope energy there, and then it's just fucking like somebody stepped on the bird's neck and broke it. And now we have nothing. That's what I feel like. Yeah, that that was beautiful the way you put that into words. That's, that's accurate. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> Um, what, uh, oh, so, so let me, let me talk about this real quick because I don't remember how much we've got into it or haven't gone out of it. And and I've heard people who are still talking about it. So, so I figured I'd bring it up. Um, you know, we, we've made ourselves, uh, very clear in saying like, we are not happy that Joe Biden is the president of the United States and, uh, you know, people who are celebrating him, celebrating, uh, Kamala, celebrating, any any of the 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 cabinet you know are that that their that their enthusiasm is misplaced and you know i i i know that my skepticism has has brought criticism from 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 my immediate circle and um you know somebody said something it was on the daily zeitgeist i think it was miles and they were talking about covering the inauguration and he said like once he saw that the code, the nuclear codes were no longer in Trump's hands, he like breathed a sigh of relief. It was like a weight off the shoulders, and I was like, "Huh, I guess I didn't think about that." Yeah, yeah, that's a good. So, point. like, have you have you had to come to terms with any of this? Like this whole like, I'm glad Trump isn't in office, or or have you had that yet, or no, nah. or at all? I mean, of course I'm I'm glad he's not in office, but whatever again like i think we've described doesn't really like it doesn't change that much from for a lot of people you know like people are still going to suffer no matter who's in office so uh it's just it's nice not to hear his name all the time i'll say that much like i'm glad you know i i've mentioned this on the podcast before that i feel like he got his power you know almost from people talking about him all the time so i think it's nice that he's he's kind of uh 
you know, out of the spotlight and we don't have to talk about him 24-7. Um, because it was getting really fucking annoying, honestly. Like, I, I just didn't want to hear about him anymore. So well, Supposedly... to the Democrats. Didn't I, what did Nancy Pelosi email you? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Nancy Pelosi, because I am a registered Democrat... Uh, I, I will admit I still am, especially with Bernie. I, I stayed a Democrat. Uh, I get emails I one in the almost place, almost daily from the DNC uh, asking me for donation money. Um, Nancy Pelosi's name's on probably like seventy five percent of them, um, and they like they. I, it's just the audacity of it to me that this rich person. Like is begging me for for money, you know what I mean? And they're always like, Donald Trump isn't gone forever, you know. We need to stop him. Like it, it, it's almost like they're I, I don't know. They're like they're like talking about like he this, was such a strength to them. It seems like yeah, he, he's the boogeyman. You know, they need they need him. They the need him. Trump. They exactly they need him. So it's just kind of like uh, it's it's just crazy to me, you know. But that's that's you what they do. They, they, they need they need somebody to to put the blame on. So. Um, that's, I guess that's what we're going to keep doing for a while. You know, and apparently Trump has said he's going to start his own political party and, uh, you know, so it, it, it's, it's not over, but it's just nice not to hear his name all the time. How about you? Well, I, like I said, I, I had been the person who was really, you know, shitting in everyone's cereal as often as I could because, you know, I, I, I watched the inauguration. I had feelings while I was watching it and, I think just my being disillusioned with um, with capitalism as a whole and with the system kind of put a damper on any any silver lining that I might have been able to glean from from the transfer of power. Yeah. You know, I. You know, I remember Biden saying a lot of specific keywords in his in his speech and uh, just just knowing that they were shallow, that that there was nothing behind them, you know, trying to once again, the reason I didn't vote for him, I looked at his record as to who he who he was as a person, who he was as as a politician, somebody who has command over other people's lives, who can really change things. And, um, you know, to hear him spout like, oh, you know, uh, you know, I'm working, I'm here going to work for all Americans and. Uh, you know, racial inequality is a problem, and uh, I don't know, just, just it, it was rough. And then to, you know, see people sharing memes like, ladies, make sure you're wearing your shoes. There's glass all over the place because, you know, Kamala is the new vice president. Like, she shattered a glass ceiling, but, right, like, realistically, right. she was just chosen by a man. Like, she dropped out of the race and then was chosen because by a man. Because she was pulling horribly. Like, I, you know, yeah. I think people forget, like, they all, everyone talks about how much they love her. But she was running for president and doing horribly, you know, and, and like she had to drop out because she she had no no path forward. So I think that's important to remember that, you know, and, and now that you've been told that she is, you know, so great and that we should love her. Now you love her. Yeah. And like, you know, I know people who, you know, a couple months ago or before not a couple months ago now it's actually it's actually been quite a few but like before november might not have even known who who kamala harris was and and it's like all right like i you know as a guy who has always seen men in positions of power is it my place to say how you should feel about a a, a woman holding that office probably not however as a human being that does doesn't want to see other human beings suffer i think that's where it comes from 
yeah, like you shouldn't just be happy to see to see this stuff on the surface to just, you know, to see, oh, it's not Trump. So it's OK. Oh, it is a black woman. So it's OK. My ideal uh, cabinet is full of people of color and different genders and, you know, and all across, you know, not just one of two genders, but one of one of many, like because I feel you should represent the people you serve. And, you know, it's taken a while for it to catch up there, but yeah. like, just put good people, put people who have values in there. And, and, and if they're not there, just, you know, even if you are happy, be like, you know, what? I'm glad that Trump is out of office. Don't, you know, don't lose the energy where it's, I have to hold these elected officials accountable. Yep. You know, I, I, I even though I, I may be glad Trump's out of office, like I can't just be like, oh, well, let's give Biden a break because he had so much to clean up. No, fucking get to work. That's why you, you were you were voted in the middle of a crisis to to be the commander in chief. So get to work. Yeah, I mean you you have to hold all you know whether it's Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden. I mean, you know, and I, I think there are some really really talented and intelligent uh, you know female politicians out there. Um, you know, I hated Hillary, but she was really uh, definitely you know qualified for the job. Uh, you know, being the oh, president. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, a, look at AOC, right? Like, I know the left, you know, has been giving her a lot of shit lately. Um, she seems to have kind of lost her way a little bit. But, you know, on Inauguration Day, she was out, um, you know, at a uh, uh, a strike, you know, instead of being at the inauguration. And, like, you know, that's that's the kind of stuff that I think got people behind her that, that you know, uh, won, won their allegiance a little bit for her because she was showing that she cared about the people who was out there. And you know what? She's been getting held accountable a lot lately. And she went out there and she she helped bring attention to the strike. So, you know, it's uh, you want to see more of that. Which is what which is what an elected official should do. Yep. You know? Yes. Young woman of color who is working class. That's great. But also it is not enough. You yep. know, you you do have to be held accountable. And more so if you not only do you, do you get called out, but if you listen to getting called out because you do represent the people. You know, I think I think that just being able to say, OK, maybe I was wrong or all right, well, let me try it this way. I think that that is the most important uh, part of, of being, an, you know, a leader in, in any position, let alone, a, you know, public office. Yes. Yep. Agreed. In terms of serious newsworthy stuff, that's all I got today. I didn't. I, I didn't want to get get too serious, but I do have to bring it up. The uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla trailer, Ooh. or Godzilla vs. King Kong, however you want to say it, uh, has dropped. And um, what were your feelings on it again, Ty? You, were, I mean, you weren't overly moved, were you? I mean, I thought it was cool. I've been I've been excited for it. I enjoyed all the uh, the films leading up to it for the most part. Um, I think this is going to be more divisive than Republicans versus Democrats. You know, you got to choose between King Kong and Godzilla, and you know, I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but they've made uh, they've made Kong kind of the hero based on the trailer. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. But you know, Godzilla is the king of the monsters, so can't can't count him out either. Yeah, I think they're really uh, they're playing their cards close to the chest. You know, I'm gonna uh, I'm going to you know just go based off my other Godzilla knowledge here, which actually isn't that extensive. But <laughs> you have you have the third movie. They've thrown a bunch of monsters at you in the second one already. Now they're bringing it back to two. You throw in Mecha Godzilla, yeah. and you know we're not gonna be smart enough to tell the difference unless we get up close. So we're gonna be like, oh, it's Godzilla. Yeah. You know? Um. Now, I, I, I've never been a Kong fan. You know, I did it. I did enjoy Kong Skull Island for what it was. You know, it was definitely a fun flick. But I've never been, like, overtly, you know, into 
uh, you know the the big monsters or or even the kaiju really you know yeah, i do yeah. think they're really cool but um i'm not that guy however there was a moment where something in me changed where you know i was pro godzilla and they're right on that on that on that vessel and kong just straight up fucking bang like <laughs> hits him with the business with the right with the right with the right cross and I was like, "Wow, I'm a convert, man. I'm a, I'm a King Kong." Yeah, you were you were you were texting me. You were like, "I'm I'm all in on Kong." I'm like, "Oh yep, shit, that, that was right. it." That's all it took was him punching something. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So, like, it most likely is Mechagodzilla because they've established Godzilla as being also a heroic character, right? So, how do you get these two heroic characters to fight? You mislead everybody. Um, but you know, Godzilla's always been, I felt like, the coolest like giant monster ever. Um, but Kong has always been like a very like sympathetic character. Because Godzilla's been bad, he's been good, he's been neither. Uh, you know, where, where Kong is always like, he's just a wild animal that's kidnapped and eventually killed, you know? And, and that's generally his ending. So I think he's always been very sympathetic. So it's kind of cool to see him painted not only, like, sympathetically, but, like, as a heroic, like, protector, too. You know, when you do think about these characters, and as, as you're saying this, I think that we should review the movie when it comes out. Yeah, why not? Um, they, because, they, they deal uh, with a lot of like you know, uh, like you know the planet and 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 how it's it's you know reacting to humans and radioactive stuff and you know so there's a lot, there's actually a lot to talk about when you really break these movies down. Well, yeah, and just the origins of both both of these of these characters and dare I say icons. You have King Kong, who you know you, there are multiple texts which i'll have in the show notes for that episode in the future uh that you know that relate his struggle as to to the allegory of uh of the struggle of african americans yeah. in the united states being kidnapped from your home and yeah and being you know being taken to you know to be sold off as a commodity you know so it's there and then also you have godzilla who uh who represents atomic anxiety uh, yeah. godzilla was what happened shortly after Hiroshima and yep. um and you know you see this this the this monster of nuclear energy that we have created that is coming to destroy humanity it was woken up by those bombs and uh and they did they did bring a lot of that into the new Godzilla lore as well so like these these icons represent two two very uh very potent um their uh, themes, subject matter, whatever you want to call it, uh, they you know they they represent a lot more than just two monsters that are punching each other in the face and using energy blasts. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things again where you can you can take it at face value and just be like cool, I like watching monsters fight. Or if you want to delve a little deeper, you know you can uh, you can learn a little bit more about about the world, a little bit about history and and what they really represent. Yeah, all right, I'm for it. I'm I'm, I'm ready for that. Uh, did you know that the song used in the trailer uh, is from a guy who is famous only for making songs for movies? Oh, really? Like, <laughs> yeah, like he doesn't release any of his own music to the to <laughs> to the consumers. Like, it's literally like I think his I think his top earning song right now. And I'm taking all this information from the Daily Zeitgeist, so I'll have to go to their notes to get to get it for hours. But um, I think uh, the Witch Doctor from uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakquel. I think that is his <laughs> currently his like top charted song. I like the original Witch Doctor song, but that's fine. Uh, well, of course, of course, who doesn't? What else, man? Um, I mean, you know, it's it's been an interesting uh, like two weeks. Um, not to go into detail, but I had some personal stuff happen, and I had a little more uh, free time at home, and 
I decided to give the MCU a watch. So I watched a, a whole bunch of MCU films, and you joined me for, for a few of them as well. Indeed, um, I did. It and was, by joined everybody, I was in my home. Oh, yes, yes. His we, home. We sync up. We sync up. Know? It's pretty pretty impressive, actually. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it was, you know, it, it, it really didn't realize, like, how much joy it brought me, as silly as it sounds, just watching these movies. Um, I watched Thor to the Dark World. I watched Guardians 2. Uh, I watched The Winter Soldier, Age of Ultron, Civil War, Ragnarok, and then you and I sun- synced up and watched uh, Infinity War and Endgame, and it's it, it was cool, man. I think we like really delved into it. We got to talk about you know what made these movies so special, and like it is pretty incredible. We really would have made great Patreon content, and we just did not do it. <laughs> we just didn't do it. Oh well. <laughs> And then the next one, whatever whatever movie whatever movie that is. Yeah. Oh yeah, we, we watched Spider Verse too, but even though it's technically not MCU. But yeah, that it was hilarious. just you know it's yeah. just an incredible feat to think you know uh, in 2008 when we went to go see Iron Man, we had no idea what this was going to turn into, right? I think it just it's it's uh, it, it's pretty incredible that they were able to to do all these films, tie them together, you know, all, all these years and all these different directors and and crew and cast and. And bring everyone together, ultimately, for these last two Avengers films, uh, where they got to send off several of these characters and, um, you know, just tie everything up, you know, for the most part, pretty neatly. You know, is it, is it perfect? No. But those those emotional highs were were pretty pretty great. And, and one thing that we discussed was how theaters, you know, we don't, we don't know the future of movie theaters. And, you know, for us... Uh, Avengers Endgame was one of the last, you know, really big films that we got to see in the theater. Uh, and, you know, it's that that moment where Cap, you know, says Avengers Assemble or uses the hammer and the audience really just went wild, right? They just went, you know, absolutely crazy and just started screaming and clapping. And it was it was such an amazing energy to be a, be a part of, you know, and that's always been one of my favorite things about those kind of like opening night films, you know, whether it be Star Wars or even Transformers or, you know, the Avengers, you, you, you get that energy from the crowd and like, it's just, it's just amazing. Uh, and I don't know if movie theaters are going to recover. Uh, and even if they do, I don't know if they'll ever be like another film that kind of hits that for us. You know, we're getting older. Uh, I feel like we've seen like the, the highest point for us in terms of that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's an interesting thing to reflect back on and just think, you know, I don't know if we'll ever experience that again. Well, first off, spoilers for uh, for Endgame. <laughs> um, if you yeah. haven't seen well, it. Well, shame on you if you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Seriously. While you're listening to us, go fucking watch um, it. But, yeah, it, it, it is amazing to look back at it and to see, like, when you really do, like, take a step away from everything that, like, these are characters who, you know, have changed throughout these movies and, like, oh, you know, this, this like, this choice that they made in this movie kind of makes sense because of what happened to them four movies ago. Like, you know, uh, th- th- there's an incredible rewatchability. There's, um, you know, it, it is uncanny that, like, just they chose Robert Downey Jr. They had John Favreau, who before had been, like, you know, you know, I would say like a B-list comedic actor. Yeah, he was on Friends <laughs> and shit. You know, it's like that's what he yeah, was known for. He was, yeah, he was like in you know like Swingers and like all, all these other things. Like he was he was kind of that guy. And and the thing is, if Iron Man failed, the MCU doesn't happen. Yep. And it was luckily a hit. And 
you know, luckily they've had enough hits because not every movie was, but you know, you knew you could always expect a good film, yeah. you know, with a, yeah. you know, with a pretty basic, um, and, but you know, I, I don't mean basic in an insulting way, but you know, you're going to get a good formula and, and a good film. I, I would argue the, the Iron Man films are some of the weakest in the MCU. And yet Robert Downey Jr. may be the strongest part of the MCU. So it's kind of strange to, wow. to kind of break no, it that down. That makes sense though. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it is when you talk about like just having that energy in the movie theater and like I know those are all my favorite moments. The few the few theater claps that I got was 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 Endgame <laughs> one of them when when Cap says, let's go get that son of a bitch. I think so. Did yeah. I, did I clap? I think that was it. <laughs> yep. It was Heath Ledger's pencil trick in, in, uh, in The Dark Knight. He played the Joker. Uh, it wasn't just Heath Ledger. And, yeah, so, uh, and I think Heath. I think Megan Fox in Transformers Two, just yes. her first yeah. appearance on screen. Yep, I'm not proud of that one. But uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it it is wild. You got to think like, will people ever be able to go to movies and experience that the same way we were able to? Yeah, I I, I hope so. I mean, I I know a lot of people like the you know watching stuff at home and you know, you've gone and gotten popcorn from the movie theater and watched at home and listen there, there's definitely like a nice comfort to that um and it's become easier and easier but to me they're just well you know there nothing will ever be able to replace that movie going experience that you know where you can just tune everything else out you know you turn your phone off you you, you don't Mostly don't talk unless you're you uh, <laughs> during a movie. And, you know, you just you just you try to just pay attention to the film. And I think it's so hard to disconnect at home that same way. Um, and, you know, and again, to be surrounded by people who have the same, uh, you know, feelings as you pretty much. You know, a lot of these people going are fans. They're, they're really excited. And, again, to feed off that energy and be a part of that um, is, is just something special. And that's a, not even just movie going, right? We we were discussing uh, cons and stuff as well, right? Like, you know, New York Comic Con. We, we've been going for uh, for a long, long time. I can't even remember the first year we went. Uh, it was the second. It might have been 2008, 2009. It might have been 2007. Yeah, I think we were in high school. So it might have been 2007. Yeah. I think it was the second wow. year of New York Comic Con. So uh, it was probably somewhere around there. And you know, ever since then, we pretty much went every single year afterwards. And some of my best memories are from those cons, you know, spending time with mm -hmm. my best friends and 100%. my brother and uh, being around fellow fans and, you know, meeting celebrities and just buying cool shit. And, you know, um, unfortunately, you weren't able to make it this past, uh, the last one that, that happened. Uh, this Worst part is that I was, I was like, I, if I wanted to, I could have gone. Like there were people who were like, "Oh, if you couldn't afford it, I would have given it." And I was just like, "Well, I got to be available to to act in case I get a gig." And, right, right. You know, I mean, that day I did meet Matt Eisman of American Ninja Warrior. Uh, hey, there you and, go. Uh, I almost won a thousand dollars on a on a trivia podcast called Factorious. Oh, damn. But, uh, yeah, but I, I did not. I didn't even and, know that. Uh, and then I was just chilling out in the city that day. Yeah, <laughs> I just I, I just went the one day too. So you know, but. It's weird to think that with COVID, we might never get that again. You know, COVID has really changed the world around us. And, you know, obviously the bigger pictures, you know, people being out of work and, and losing their jobs and, and, you know, their homes, people getting sick or dying or, you know, having medical bills. That's the really important stuff. But, you know, if you really start to break it down, it has affected so much more than that. It's also, you know, affected just things that people look forward to going on vacations, going to conventions, going to the movie theater. Um, and it, it, it it's going to be, 
it's going to be kind of wild to, to look back in a year or two years from now and see, you know, how, how much we've been able to recover and if, if we ever really will. I think growing up with shit really made those years better because, like, I was never the person who got to go to, like, events and stuff. So when I was finally able to have my own agency, my own money, and I could I could go to these events on my own, like, even the worst Comic-Con was still great because... You know, like you said, it was something we looked forward to every year. I look forward to it every year more than I look forward to Christmas, believe yeah, it or not. And no. last year was the only year I took it for granted because I didn't go. But there are literally every year we go. I said it the other day, right? Like we're like, oh, it's not as good as that one time. It's not as good as that one time. But like you know, it's still like a, it's still a fun, solid time. And you know, more so, I'm not I'm not sad for us not being able to go. Because, like I said, every year it's just a little, a little less magical, and yeah. I think it's more so because we're adults and there, it, the stuff is more mainstream. So everyone's there. There are people who are getting autographs, not just because they love the, you know, the creators, but because they want to, you know, sell their stuff. And, um, you know, but I think last year, just because I was like, eh, I'll get it next year. Like yeah. that was the only year I took it for granted. But but yeah, so I'm not really sad for us because I feel like we've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed my moving going experiences. I got to see Endgame in theaters, which is like at least for my generation, I feel uh, like in my life, like the movie going experience. Yeah. Um, you know, the culmination of all those films. Um, and we'll we'll delve into them at a later date because there is a lot of propaganda that comes from those films oh, and, yeah. uh, and some pearls of, of wisdom also. So so we'll discuss it at, at a later date. But um, you know, but there are people who might not ever get that. They might not ever get that theater clap again. They might not, you know, ever get to go to a convention and be like, wow, like there's a bunch of people who are into the same shit that I'm into. Uh, you know, and I'm the only one I know who's into it. So like, this is amazing. <laughs> all the friends I'm making, all the cool stuff I'm seeing, like that. You know, I I I feel bad for those for those people who aren't ever going to be able to experience. Yeah, I mean, my fondest memories were you know over the summer getting together with all my friends and going to the movies, and sometimes we saw some really shitty films, <laughs> some really terrible stuff, but. Uh, you know, it was just the enjoyment of going with that group. And again, just that energy that, like you said, there's so many people that may not get to experience that. And that's, that's really a shame. You know, it's really a shame because it seems, you know, as much as we love, uh, you know, all this technology and, and, and stuff we can do at home, it does definitely, um, you know, it pulls people apart a little bit. It's it's harder to to connect with people uh, the same way. You know, and it's like back in my day, we didn't have cell. Phone, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, I hope people can keep finding ways to connect. You know, luckily we were able to do that by you know syncing up and watching these movies at home. So yeah, or just playing the same video game. Like as somebody who has been like literally quarantining ninety eight percent of the time. Um, I can tell you, like, just even if you're in your own home, but communicating with other people, and I don't mean texting, I mean some sort of voice communication, it makes a huge difference. You know, you could feel like that person's right in the room with you sometimes. And, um, you know, just you listening to this podcast, I don't know if you're like me, but the reason I got into podcasts is because for one reason or, or another, you know, I'll figure it out whenever I get into therapy, like I cannot stand to just be alone and not have any stimulation. Like I need to hear people talking to me. So if you're one of those people, like our voices mean that to you, like, you know, so, so, so just, just think about that. You know, if you're, if you're holed up and this is, you know, and this is a terrible time for you, um, because for some people it is, I think I've gotten past the worst of it for me. And, 
you know, knowing that I've already had all the worst parts of my life happen to me, <laughs> you know, save for a few, you know, loved ones' deaths that, that'll come in the future, I'm like, you know what? I can get through this. And um, I, I think that's that's just me. And, you know, I know it's, it's not necessarily that easy. No, but I think it's important to find things that bring you happiness, you know? And if it's watching... Uh, an MCU movie or playing Ghost of Tsushima at home or whatever it might be, you know, just find something that gives you a little joy from uh, this very stressful world that we live in, especially, you know, with, with all the stuff that's happened over the last, you know, year and change. And share those things with someone you love because yep. that that makes it all the sweeter. You know, let's let's put it this way. Everybody wants a happy ending, right? But it doesn't always roll that way. Maybe this time. I'm hoping if you play this back, it's in celebration. I hope families are reunited. I hope we get it back, and it's something like a normal version of the planet has been restored. If ever there was such a thing, God. What a world. Universe, now. If you told me ten years ago that we weren't alone, let alone, you know, to this extent, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised, but come on. That epic forces of dark and light have come into play? And for better or worse, that's the reality Morgan's going to have to find a way to grow up in. So I thought I'd better record a little greeting in case of an untimely death on my part. I mean, not that death at any time isn't untimely. This time to travel thing. Fuck, I had it. I had oh. it until then. I'm just going to leave it. At Wait, should I do it? Should I finish it off? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. This time travel thing we're going to try and pull off tomorrow. It's got me scratching my head about the survivability of it all. And again, you know, that's the hero gig. Part of the journey is the end. What am I even tripping for? Everything's gonna work out exactly the way it's supposed to. I love you 3000. And with that little note, you can find us on Twitter at PolitipopPod, Instagram at PolitipopPodcast. You can email us, let us know your thoughts at PolitipopCast at gmail.com. You can find our show notes and sources at PolitipopPodcast.wordpress.com. Uh, special thanks to all of you listeners. Uh, we, we do love you 3000 here. We are at the the most downloads we've ever been monthly and i think we're gonna we're gonna break you know continue breaking it b- before the end of the month is over so, yeah. uh, so so thank you thank you so much for that um i didn't i didn't realize just how applicable tony stark's monologue would be sorry <laughs> kind of, uh, yeah yeah that's kind of wild getting getting back a normal version of, of the earth if ever there was such a thing but anyway uh, the, remember, uh, we, we do have a Patreon, but don't worry about it. <laughs> the best thing you could do is, is uh, on your podcatcher of choice, ideally if it's Apple Podcasts, you can rate and review us. Give us a five-star rating and review. It would mean a lot, just like Crowley's at the beginning. For the Politipop Podcast, I have been Mike Booch. I have been Ty. And remember, no matter what you're watching, no matter what you're listening to, no matter what you're playing, no matter uh, what escapism you're enjoying and and hopefully sharing with somebody that that you love and care about appreciate appreciate the little things and uh never stop thinking never stop learning and read between the lines and seen ah it always feels good to hear you say it feels good to say that's why i listen that's why i talk (laughs) okay uh